about um, being with, dealing with, dating um, a narcissist. So somebody who has a narcissistic personality. Um, I'm going to let Naomi introduce herself and we will continue our chat from there. Hi, everybody. I am Naomi Magayan uh, because I am finally divorced now and, <laughs> and I'm taking my name back. So um, yeah, I'm a freelance graphic designer, grad student, single mom, uh, among other things. And did you um, tell us a little bit about like, your background? What did, were you born here? Did you migrate? Um, what part of your family is here, there? Um, I was actually born in Gary, Indiana, which is um, like Northwest Indiana near Chicago, about 30 minutes outside of Chicago. And um, most of my, well, my parents were also born in Indiana, but all of my, I want to say three out of four of my grandparents were born in Texas. So um, been here for a while, I think maybe, I don't know. I think the border crossed us. I don't know what part of Mexico, you know, it's always been Texas, like, you know. It's like so. a jump rope, like one day it was, and then the other day I was like, just kidding, we're just moving it up a little bit. Um, right. That's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast day too. Next Th- that is. <laughs> and how, um, what, uh, what about, let's tell us a little bit about how you met um, your ex. Oh, um, (laughs) well, you know, I was living in California at the time, and um, honestly, I was not healed from, you know, trauma from growing up, trauma from a past relationship, and, you know, I was looking for something completely different than what I had just got out of, and, you know, he seemed like all of that, and, um, you know, everything happened really fast, like, and I've come to learn, like, you know, now being out of that relationship, that that's what happens with right. narcissists, like, it happens really fast, right. like, you know, I, I got pregnant, and then uh, we eloped, we eloped, and, like, married really fast, and, um, within within months and then I didn't really you know find out you know the who he really was until after I had my son mm-hmm. and you know during that time that I was um you know we had we were you know dating and then I was pregnant or whatever he well I found out he lied about his age he had lied about his name he lied about a lot of things but like I was already sucked in when I like found out he lied. So mm-hmm. I think that's also something important to, you know, uh, mention is that uh, narcissists uh, will be who you need them or want them to be. And then there is a point where they flip because you can't, you can't keep up that act too much longer. And then they feel like they got you. So it's fine. Yeah. Yep. You're, they put you where you wanted, where they wanted you to be, and then you're just kind of there, so they can kind yep. of do whatever they want. And how, um, how old were you when you met him? Mm. Age, like, age-wise? I was 
I had just turned 25 and he, so the age that I thought he was, was, and this was like the beginning of like online dating. There was no apps, there was no like Tinder and all that, but you know, I met him off of OkCupid and I had met people off of there, you know, previously. So I didn't think anything really of it, but, um, I had no idea that there were people out there that would pretend to be someone that, you know, they're not. So, um, yeah, I met him off of like, okay, Cupid. He said he was, uh, probably, I think like 28. Okay. And, or, and he was 38. Like he was 13 years older than me like he didn't look you know super old right but you know that's a huge lie that's a that's a big gap that's a big gap. yeah it's not like oh I you know I accidentally clicked the wrong year it was like no you purposely did that you thought about that but like I said I didn't find out till till much later and you know I would always ask him questions about like oh, like, past relationships, past, you know, blah, 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 like, just life, right, Um, because you can't really know where you're going unless you know where you've been, right, Mm -hmm. so um, he would always give me, like, bits or tell me, like, he doesn't want to talk about the past or, you know, it was very evasive, like, anything having to do with um, his life before me right and how take us back to when you started to find out for example when you found out that he wasn't the age that he said like what did you feel did you feel like um he justified it correctly or were you always kind of did that kind of leave you like a feeling of like something's wrong or you know what I mean like um personally I remember finding out those lies and being so entangled in the lies that I was like, Oh, it was, it's okay. It's okay. Oh yeah. They, I mean, one thing about narcissists is that like, they have a great way of smoothing things over. Um, great talkers, but that's all they are talkers. Like, I feel like, um, where I remember like, you know, when I found out about that, also he, he lied about having a child too, which is like, you, lied about like someone who was a part of you you know completely lied um and I remember like because what I found about I found out about his age um looked at his ID his or his driver's license and that's how I found out about his age but there was also like the picture of his daughter that was in there Mm -hmm. and I'm like who is this and um he's like oh that's my friend's kid Mm -hmm. and it's like I was like, why do you have a picture of her in her wallet then? Like, that's kind of weird. But it just, you know, it brought up a lot of questions. And I'm a very, I'm a cautious person anyway. And I, you know, the thing is, is like, I'm cautious. I ask the right questions, you know. Um, I am, it does take me a while to trust people. And even though I have all those qualities in me, like, you know, he still, you know, got me. He got me yeah you know um and like you know of like I think those questions are 
you know, part of your body's response or like your intuition. But like at that time when I was so young and I didn't know anything about this, like, um, it was easy to believe, oh, I, I just, you know, wanted, I can't even remember the lie he told me about his age. Like, I can't even remember. Right. Um, like it was so stupid. Like all of the lies were really stupid. And, you know, part of me is like, I can't believe I, you know, yeah. like why why didn't I leave then why didn't I leave then you know and this is stuff I talk about with my therapist too like um Naomi back then could leave you know Naomi years later she could so right. you know I had to do growing on my own yeah does that um does the kind of like the hindsight now is that a big part of your um, I don't want to sound cheesy but like of your healing from that relationship the fact that you're kind of like now that you know you're like well god why didn't I do that then like it just seems like so clear now why didn't I do that then and like you know stop this kind of situation well you know they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and you know that is really true you see everything clear like because you're able to, you know, pick apart things, but when you're in a situation and, you know, um, vulnerable, like, you know, either I was pregnant or I just had his, you know, had a baby, like those are vulnerable moments for a woman anyway. And then also I was in California and I didn't have a whole lot of, I had some like, um, you know, cousins and like an aunt and uncle and stuff, but I didn't have a whole lot of family and I didn't just even have a whole lot of family in my life. Those are things he knew. And it's definitely like, when I think about the things now, it's like, you know what? 13 years is huge. And I was 25. Like I felt like, you know, looking back, like I was preyed on, I was trapped, you know, definitely like trapped with a baby. And then like, Oh, Hey, let's get married. And it's like, we just had a baby. Yeah, sure. That's like, how families you should have a family and you should do these things and it was like I you know especially going through a really long drawn out divorce process it was like this was a trap like Mm -hmm. it was such a trap Mm -hmm. you know I I told my cousin when I was talking to her like you know I just really felt like I was trapped and that I think is like sums up what it's like to be with a narcissistic person in a relationship like you feel trapped like how you're just constantly trying to one not set them off and then two try to figure out a way out right and even see if there's a way out because I I know one of the main points of being a narcissist is that they are going to take a look and they are going to focus on isolating you so yeah one either like they said they're gonna they're gonna notice that you're not connected to or to enough people or deeply enough or they're going to slowly um shift so that they're kind of the only ones that you are depending on or can trust or all that good stuff um, that you would need in a healthy relationship which is a big big red flag where like oh i'm you know i can't talk to my friend or i can't see my mom or all this good all this stuff that is essential um it is beneficial for them and their manipulation to close you off to that for sure. Yeah. I I think I was like a perfect target for him. Like I was new to the area. Um, 
you know, I didn't really have family in my life. I had just gone through something pretty traumatic Mm -hmm. alone. And, um, yeah, like he, he took all that. And then, um, towards the end, he used all of that against me. He weaponized, Mm -hmm. you know, my own experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, which I, you know, survived and was the victim in those situations. And, he weaponized them and that was probably one of the most that's probably the shittiest thing he's ever done like out of everything it's like using someone's painful past against them cuts so deep it's, it's like the double it's the double right he's gonna go over the original wound um what do you think was your turning point in in the in this moment of time that he took up in your life oh man so there was a turning point and I say like I'm finally legally divorced like we were separated for um, about two and a half years Mm -hmm. um but you know before then he wouldn't agree to a divorce and I had been asking for one like it's 2020 finally divorced separated in 2018 I had been asking for a divorce since 2014 wow like so like for four years, it was just, you know, and we were briefly separated um, for a portion of the time. Like, man, why did I let him come back? Like, right. what year was that? That was in early 2017. Um, and I, I let him come back. And it's like, not, it wasn't for me because I was already checked out. It was because right. of my son. And that's how he got back in. Not because I had any feelings for him. I had already checked out. It was because, like, seeing my son so broken without him there. Right, right. And I, it was hard. It was hard to deal with. And, you know, not thinking about the implications that, you know, he could have on my son or thinking about, like, um, what my son has learned from him. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't in that. He was, you know, my son was maybe five and he was just feeling, he was just, you know, heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a, as a parent, as a mother, you never want your child to be heartbroken. Right. So like the best outcome, you, you will do whatever it takes to make him feel better. And of course the initial thought is, well, if I can make this work so that he's at his best, um, let's do that. But I, I think that's such a huge, that that response is from such a long history of our communities not being educated in mental health and development in how do we talk, how do we reach out to people where we have these like oversimplistic answers to our issues um, that sometimes kind of continue to tie us down like they did in your, you know, like in that decision where you're like, okay, well, let's bring him back in. And then he tied you up a little bit, you know, for another chunk more with that promise of like, this is the answer because it's the first superficial answer that comes up. Yeah. So I think too, is like a lot of, a lot of, um, women get trapped because they, you know, want to stay for the kids. They want to keep that family unit together. But, you know, if you have just one healthy parent and, like, secure relationship with that parent as a, you know, single parent, like, it's so much better than the environment that you have, like, 
with a narcissist there because everyone's getting drained everybody's getting used the house is a war zone it's the only way I can really describe it like you're so drained it's hard to keep up with work and housework and being a parent like it just splits you in so many different ways that um it it's hard to it's hard to think about how now like how I lived like that how we lived like that um because you know as soon as he was gone as soon as he you know finally finally left like for good you know the house has a different vibe like it feels so much better like the energy um is lighter like we can laugh we can smile we can dance like it's completely different we were so oppressed and that's the only thing I could really think of like to describe it is like we were not allowed to be ourselves we were not allowed to have joy because he didn't have joy you know yeah and I, I don't want to, I'm like, I hear you. And like, when we first were talking about this and I remember we connected over like some random post I put on my um, personal Instagram, which is um, rated X for just very special people um, where like, I can say, yeah, damn, like um, it's, it's, I, and I hear you say about when they were gone, how it feels. And that's exactly how I felt as well. Like when my ex left as well. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, I kid you not, my kids were having trouble sleeping, and, you know, it wasn't night, it wasn't, like, one day to another, but you could see the effect it had in their sleeping, and it's, like, wow, it just in that little very, it was a very tangible thing, um, in that difference, and you, you see that as you walk further and further away from that toxic person, and I think also, like, that toxic person isn't letting, you know, you or us see how many of how many people are okay without a toxic partner? And that's something that like you don't see until you're out. Um, so like if there's anybody else out there listening, you're gonna be okay at the end. Like there's a lot of us, and not necessarily that we've had, um, you know, some of us have had partners like that, or some of us have had different situations with our partners, but you can be happy on your own without that partner. Um literally living with you whether you can co-parent or not um which i don't know i don't necessarily think you can co-parent with a narcissist Um, i don't think so either like (laughs) i i definitely am very uh, it brings me anxiety to think that i would have to ever co-parent with my ex um because it's just there's just no around there's no way around what they're thinking and that definitely like if you're relative to a narcissist they need professional help completely professional help not um you know not a a cushiony hug and allowing them to do what they're doing so you know obviously you, you can get help if you identify and you need to get help if you identify as having someone like that in your life but i definitely would be uh very nervous and even concerned and afraid to have to co-parent with that person well and a lot of times like even with professional help narcissists can't and won't change like they don't really think that anything is wrong with them first of all um and second of all 
you know, there's usually enablers in their life that, like, they're the reason why they are that way. And, you know, a lot of times it's their parents. They're like that because of their parents. And, um, you know, I can say that in the case of my ex, like, both of his parents are narcissists, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and he's one. And then I think you, you asked me, like, what was the what was like there was a lot of points for me personally in like 2014 because I my son was he was like he was two and three two or like he turned he, he was two and then he turned three and I had switched shifts at work and so I was doing like a second shift or like swing shift or whatever and I was staying at home with him during the day like doing preschool like toddler stuff like trying to potty train him all these things and then going to work and then and then went to work and come home at like you know one o'clock in the morning and you know come home to like dirty house Mm -hmm. or um you know what did he eat or my son is still up like why is he up at midnight Mm -hmm. you know things like all like all kind all kinds of things like if he's if he stays up I got to deal with that in the morning. Right. And um, it's just, it was just all kind of like inconsiderations. And that's when I really started to resent him as supposing, like supposed to be my partner. Like, that's when I resented him because it did not feel like a partnership. It felt like everything was on me. Especially with seeing that effect have on your son. Yep. And then um, the point of no return for me was um when my son started like acting like him oh my god he started you know he was almost he was seven I think um and he just sounded like him like some of the things he said it'd be like snappy Mm -hmm. and it's like you know I'm like I didn't teach you to be like this like he was basically undoing my parenting and so you know that was the point where it's like and I had before that point in 2017 2018 before that point I had told him I didn't love him for a long time right I still wouldn't leave right like would not leave like I don't love you like this is not love you know realizing that that's not what love is right and um still wouldn't leave he had a good like you know he um not only emotionally and like verbally mentally abused me the way a narcissist does he was also financially abusive to me Mm -hmm. so you know some narcissists can be physically abusive like you, you know they there's all types of abuse and he was financially abusive to me because you know like I said like oh I'm doing everything um that continued and it worsened and um to the point where I had to file bankruptcy because of decisions or lack of decisions that he made that he you know was negligent on yeah and um you know really he had it good and of course he didn't want to leave like she pays all the bills she does all the things I don't I'm just here I just have a roof over my head right like you were fixing for him cleaning up after him I mean not even sometimes (laughs) because it it was just like so draining it was hard 
um, one thing that I talk about with my therapist Mm -hmm. and now that I'm on um, medication for anxiety, well, to treat my, I have PTSD. So to treat my PTSD, um, you know, I have anxiety and depression from, from the PTSD, but I'm on medication now, which, you know, I was kind of feeling a way about, and then finally I've saw a few friends get on medication for, you know, their mental health. And I'm like, sign me up, like, because I can't do everything alone. And I, you know, I've, I've come so far, but there's a lot of things that I'm still battling, but, um, I talk about, um, keeping my kitchen clean. Like that's something for me that I was not able to do with him like dishes would be piled up right for a week or more like every dish was dirty because I literally could not like and one I hate doing the dishes anyway but it was the thing it was the thing like some people's thing is like laundry Mm -hmm. like the laundry will pile Mm-hmm. you know mine was the dishes mm-hmm. and I could not keep the kitchen clean for the life of me it was it was a draining task on a draining life mm-hmm. and you know and I had I had therapy at like seven thirty this morning right. <laughs> but well, I was talking it's about it's perfect it's perfect right so I was talking to my therapist this morning even about like the little things the little stepping stones and um that that was the term she used and like you know the dishes for me was a stepping stone like um my kitchen is clean and I don't have to think about it it's not a constant anxiety and stressor right it's just something I'm able to do and keep on top of and it doesn't take extra time and energy like it used to right it's it's I feel like we maybe had very parallel lives (laughs) Um, and I think that's why we connected where I'm like yeah the same same oh my gosh it's uh, I think we sound happy now but it was very shitty Um, it was very shitty I hate to be like and it it, it really does kind of like uh, this part of myself that I like connect with people and I feel it and I'm like oh god that was that's horrible. Like, and, uh, the residual damage from it, um, we're going to be dealing with it forever. Um, you're gonna, you know, you learn how to manage it and how to have it not completely take over your day, but that residual damage and trauma from being with people like that is, um, is permanent. And with the, the kids as well, um, you mentioned having a PTSD. Was that from the relationship or is that from before the relationship? It's, um, so I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. So it's um, from childhood traumas, young adult traumas, and then like he certainly added to it. Right. So, right. Um, you know, some, some people just have uh, PTSD from being in narcissistic relationships, but you know, I had, I had trauma throughout my life. Um, but you know, it's something that I talk about openly because, um, I think there are a lot of people who are walking around with undiagnosed PTSD and, you know, trauma that, you know, they grew up with and think is normal and it's not. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, that's why there's generational trauma. Like you're carrying, you know, your you parents. You're carrying trauma. So yeah. how can you fix something that you don't know? Therefore, putting your kid in the same situation for them to have that. Exactly. You can- exactly. Yeah. This is repeating cycles of abuse. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, as I took my mental health journey, and honestly, when it wasn't until... I got on medication, did I realize that, you know, my son had anxiety, Mm -hmm. like he had anxiety, he had, you know, some signs of depression and um, not just from his father being gone or his dad being Mm -hmm. gone. It was um, just so he was just really wired like that way. And because I want to say that's how he was socially conditioned from a young age, like he grew up with the fights and he grew up with, you know, uh, tension in the house and like, you know, his dad snapping and, you know, going off at any moment. And like, you know, I was able to see clearly that, you know, I needed to address some things and not just me, you know, he has his own things. He needs to learn how to deal with and cope so I got him into therapy but I definitely wanted to talk about it with him and like normalize mental health and therapy with him and then ultimately it was his decision because I am not the type of person like things were forced on me as a kid and I never wanted Mm -hmm. to do that to him right right so um you know because that's another form of abuse like you know um child compliance and you know so um you know I wanted to give him the information that's available and talk talk to him about my personal experience and you know he was having trouble sleeping one day and um well it wasn't just one day it had been building up but you know he he came to me and he was crying and he was like you know I'm having these bad thoughts and I want to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was, that was his choice. Also melatonin really (laughs) (laughs) for kids, like it, you know, for everybody. I will put in the little uh, asterisk that you want to start off with a low dose of melatonin. Super low. And then yeah. work up. Um, I remember a couple of years back, um, a nurse was like, "Oh, girl, you you have um, you can't sleep. Um, take some melatonin." And I just bought like whatever, and it was a really high dose, and it was not a lot of nightmare. Um, and then that okay. not, I stopped taking it. But okay. now um, I'm taking I think 15 milligrams is more than enough. I was taking way more than 15 before, but yeah. Oh, okay. Like, Start off little, you know, talk to your doctors and counselors about it and then work your way up, um, especially because it comes, um, you know, it's distributed as a vitamin. So anybody can kind of just do whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. Melatonin for the win. Um, yeah, they, they have it for kids, too. So he takes um, he was taking about one and a half milligrams and then now he's doing three. Mm-hmm. But um, because he was still having trouble like staying asleep, right. so now he does three. He, they're little gummies, and he's good. Yeah. Um, I think I'm taking about fifteen or 
maybe 20. Right. <laughs> Just enough to kind of, call. I, I, I feel like it, um, we're going to stay off topic, but I feel like it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like calms. It's not like, it doesn't make me drowsy, but it does make me calm. Like it quiets yeah. a little bit enough for like, for me personally, for my other medicine to kick in and then I will sleep. Right. Um, right. So yeah, there's, and, and how old, how old is your son now? Um, he's nine now. So like, right um, now during nine, he's, is when he asked you, Hey, I'm ready to go into counseling. Well, he just turned nine, like, Okay. Last right. two weeks ago, but <laughs> but he was eight when he asked, and um, I do want to say like I've never kept information from him. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing that I believe in, especially like m- in my background, information was kept from me yeah. as a child. So I I'm purposely being the parent mm-hmm. that I wanted and that I needed mm-hmm. for him. So you know, I needed as a child, but I'm being that parent for him. Right. So, um, I, I definitely give him information. Like if he has a question, you know, I don't tell him like it's age appropriate. Yeah. It's age appropriate. So he's going to age appropriate. Nobody's selling out. Nobody's telling all the nitty gritty to the minors, but it is, it is important to communicate, communicate age appropriately. And especially when you're dealing with your own trauma, anxieties, and mental health issues to start to communicate with your kids so that they have a clear example of what it's like. What does it mean when I talk about my mental health? How is it going to be received? How do I want to talk about it? Like they can hear you telling them, but seeing you telling them is a whole other level where they're going to be able to mimic that in a healthy way. If they're hearing you like, Hey, today, like right now I'm anxious, which means, you know, I need quiet time where it means that we're going to go for a walk, you know, which means whatever, we're going to take a nap. Like they need to do that so that they themselves can, you know, mimic that on, on their own space. Yeah. So that's for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to say too, is that like, even um just i mean normalizing mental health and talking about like therapy um was a big um well something i never experienced as a as a child but like it i think helped him a lot because even just relating it to like okay we go to doctors for like if we're hurt or if we feel sick so you know if we're not feeling well like mentally or emotionally we should seek a therapist, you know, or, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist, you know, um, we should talk about these things. Like there are people who go to school, they go to medical school Mm -hmm. and they learn all these things. And it's the same thing is to help people. Right. So there's no reason to be um, struggling with it on your own. If you have access to this, Uh, Mm -hmm you know, to be able to talk to somebody and help, have them help you a little bit, which I'm sure, like, I know as soon as I started, like, with my counseling and then with my medication, I'm like, oh my gosh, people have this many good days in a row. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Right? Good days? Like, nothing happened? Nobody's mad? I'm like, sometimes I would be anxious, um, and I'd be like, you know, she's like, why are you anxious? I'm like, I just, something bad's going to happen. And then the answer is like, no, you're, 
nothing bad's gonna happen like you're okay now and that's also a result of being in continuous stress and trauma that like when you're good it's also triggering yeah oh for sure that's something probably the most like things I talk about with my therapist is that like you know saying like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop you know until like I got my meds kind of you know um balanced Mm -hmm. and where it's like this is a good dose for me um yeah it was constant like oh man like the medicine kick started working and I was like hold up I feel calm what is this (laughs) I can answer like how are you and I can say I'm good and mean it like because I feel good like I'm not just I'm fine I'm okay yeah you know it was like, I'm good. Like, right. I feel good. Right. And that was like the most, like, you mind think, blowing. yeah, it was mind blowing. That's what it was. You don't think about that when you're like in it and you don't think how there could be good days or good things happening or like celebrating things or having joy. You don't think without stress or without worry. Yeah. And that's why, like, I just, I love. I don't love bringing up these nasty subjects, but I do enjoy talking about them because you really get to see that the people that are next to us, uh, we are so used to masking what's happening. So you're asking, everybody's telling you they're good. Everybody's posting that they're good and they're, you know, baking banana bread and they're whatever, you know, like they're making fun of, you know, what's happening, but really what is happening really what's happening is often quite a different story that there are people are in the same situation um we can get into all that uh my conspiracy theories as to why a lot of my um, people my age are have put ourselves in the situations that are very similar very 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 similar um and like i keep meeting people um on my little like you know, similar within like 10 years and, you know, similar backgrounds. And all of us have these very like almost echoing footsteps of what's happened in our paths and traumas and like what's triggering us. But, you know, we can go out and we can hang out and we're like, we're fine. You know, everything's fine. Not a big deal. Yeah, I love him. It's great. We're best of friends. No big deal. But it's not, that's not really what's happening behind the scenes. Right. Um, I think it's definitely generational because we were, we were raised with those, you know, I want to, I, I say framing because that's like the researcher in me, like the, the frames, like the um, social constructs of like, this is marriage, this is a family, this is church, this is this, and you do these things and you work and you have your kids and you raise them together in a two-parent household. No matter what. Right. No matter what. Because marriage has sacrifices. Right. You know? And like you should not ever have to sacrifice your mental health or your safety you like if you are like yeah there are couples that are like golden couples and they get along and they're great and like you know maybe maybe your grandparents did have a great marriage but other parent grandparents only were married or like I know my parents got married because she was pregnant Mm -hmm. you know my mom was pregnant you know that's a lot of like their generation right because would it would be if you click a box you gotta go or you get kicked out of the church or like all these different it was a it was you know socially unacceptable right where 
like, you know, we grew up in a generation of like, you know, teen moms and people get pregnant and you don't have to get married as a teenager. Like you shouldn't have to get married just because you're having a baby with someone. You shouldn't have to, like, we, we grew up with completely different Mm -hmm. ideas and ideas of how people should be and um, what a family looks like. And even though like I was raised a certain way and I had those thoughts in my head, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think what really kind of got me to, or why I let him come back or let him stay so long was that I didn't have a family right? and, and, you know, with my family not being in my life, um, you know, quote unquote family or like, um, my, uh, immediate family, like siblings and parents, like, um, since I didn't have that in my life, I really, really wanted it. And so I wanted, I wanted to create it. And now, now I think about like, yes, I do want another kid, but I'm not having a kid with just anybody. Right. (laughs) Like I did that before. And like, I did that before. I'm I'm not having a kid with just anybody. Like I really wanted my child and I don't regret that. Right. But, But, you know, I was 25. I'm 35 now. So it's like everything needs to be intentional. Yeah. And those were the lessons I've learned. And I think but, it's definitely, um, I, I don't want to, uh, I think it's nice and it's beautiful for us to have that framework of what we think a family is. And, you know, for those of us who still, you know, want to base our lives around traditions, you know, whether, you know, you're going to, that, but that we don't have the blinders on because I feel like that's what, um, you know, sometimes was asked of our parents and of us as to like, if you believe in these pillars, the rest, you need to have a blinders on. So mm-hmm. we need to be able to, you know, yes, believe in whatever pillars you want, but also be aware that um, of the rest of the building, you know, not just the, the, the little bit, but be aware of the rest of it. Sometimes we're like piling up on top of something that isn't even, um, you know, sturdy enough to hold the rest of our relationship up. Um, And that is a big part of continuing to have the conversation and mental health conversations and conversations about like, what does a relationship really look like? What does it mean? Is it 50-50? Is it 100-100? Is it, you know, what is it? What is healthy um, now? You know, where is that at? How is that going to affect me? Is this going to, am I just bothered by it? Because you know, it's annoying, like, you know, he wants to put the spoons on this drawer, but I really want to have the spoons in the other drawer, or am I, um, did I just reconstruct my whole life to better suit their needs, um, and that's a whole other, you know, that's a whole other kind of page, where I think sometimes it's, like, bundled together, it's like, oh, it's, it's just an annoyance, it's just an annoyance, just figure it out, um, but that's in the environment that narcissism thrives, that black and white thing like no we're a family all of it no matter what like this is you know coming through and anything that is wrong of course it's not me it's just you not trying to make it work oh for sure like the gaslighting is so real and um like it's, I had no idea he was a narcissist until he left yeah no and I started learning about narcissists and you know, 
what people don't really realize is that like when when you know you first break off something with a narcissist you have narcissistic withdrawal like mm-hmm. it, it is a it is an actual thing like you were so conditioned to them mm-hmm. and then when you take them out of the picture you feel lost mm-hmm. you like you know um the best rule for like you know leaving or not having that narcissistic person in your life anymore is no contact like mm-hmm. no contact whatsoever mm-hmm. and so many people struggle with that at first because mm-hmm. you know that's why you know narcissistic people keep ha- having people come back to them mm-hmm. because they you go through that withdrawal you're like oh, i'm lost i don't know what to do like because right. you like you said ch- rearranged your entire life to right. fit them exactly. like hello like I was doing preschool with my son and potty training him and then going to work Mm -hmm. and it's like you're in like you didn't like you have so many options as as a a man to work all kinds of jobs yet you know I'm the one who has to switch things up so we don't have to pay for child care because it was more than rent yeah (laughs) always yeah. always more than rent always. like pay for child care and and then we're still in debt like we're still in debt like I don't understand that's that financial abuse and like mm-hmm. the financial decisions because I was literally like bailing him out yeah. of things yeah. like always and oh are like so are you still to this day working through that financial like debt that he put you through um no I mean I filed bankruptcy and after that like everything was separate. So that was in, um, that was in 2017. Okay. And, um, but yeah, after that, everything was separate, but because he, I mean, and he, and this is the thing, like it's patterns, they're, they're patterns. If you pay attention to the narcissist in your life, mm-hmm. there are patterns. So everything he did with his daughter, he's doing with, you know, his, his daughter and her mom, he's doing with me mm-hmm. and my son, you know? Um, so when we were together, when he lied, then I found out the truth and cause you always find out. Yeah, of course. You know, and he said, oh wait, no, no I'm not, not what he said, but like he wasn't paying, uh, he was paying her out of pocket child support. Then she filed it with the state because she stopped getting it and um so he wasn't he was working and he got this guy to pay him under the table Mm. he wouldn't come out of his checks making money right so what what do they do they take my tax returns yeah we had a joint account yes take my paycheck yes so and now, like, and do it without a warning, just just so uh, the rest yeah, of without warning, know, <laughs> no when, warning. When the money needs to be taken out, they're not gonna be like, "Hey, in three days, in a nope. week," they're just gonna be like, "Oh, by the way, we took all of the money from your savings and your checkings and from your pay stubs. Um, yep. Good luck with that, but we took the money." It's like, hey, guess what? You don't have money for rent. 
hey, guess what? You don't have money for food. Yeah. Like, because he owes this. Right. You know, and um, and one thing I had to learn to navigate and rearrange my whole life around was the tax return thing because um, I had to file what's called an injured spouse form. Like, there's an actual thing. It's called an injured spouse form. And anything dealing with the IRS takes forever sure. and is such a painful process. And you only get half of the money back they took because legally – 50% is in time, even though I made 90% of what was on the tax return, because of course, you don't, you got paid under the table. And, right. and you know, it's 50-50 legal. Right, right, legally. And that's why I, like now I think about marriage completely differently, because I, I do think a big portion of it is a financial decision. Yeah. Like you are legally tied to this person and, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's so, it's so frustrating. Um, let me see what I was going to say though. Um, I wanted to make, I wanted to say something earlier, but it was, um, finally when that person is gone Mm -hmm. and you start to feel better, um, ask, ask other people around you do I seem happier? Like how do I seem different? I think that's what I asked my son. I said, do I seem different? And he's like, yeah, you're happy. Or like someone told me I was glowing and I said, thanks. It's the divorce. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not, it's God, I would, it's like, yes. Yay. And you know, I work with brides. That's my job. My job is getting people, you know, to be doing weddings, but I am, almost to a fault like very pro like this more cynical way of looking at things of like did you really check all your work and like it's okay if you like it's fine if you get divorced like when my brides come in and they're like well this is my whatever marriage I'm like that's fine that was a rough draft like this is the better (laughs) sometimes you do a couple rough drafts like you know when you're in college you gotta submit your rough drafts and then you proof it and then it changes and it's fine um but it just, it, it's such a huge switch. And uh, like you said, you, you're asking people how you looked afterwards. And that's also part of the thing of like, you are reconnecting with the people that you kind of um, were isolated from, or even creating new relationships with people. Um, because I, I, I don't know about you, but while I was in that space, I wasn't about to be making new friends. Mm-mm, no way. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I, I was losing friends, like mm-hmm. friends that I had before, like losing. And I actually just reached out um, like last week to someone who like the relationship was ruined because we moved to, we moved back to Grand Rapids. Well, I moved back, but we moved to Grand Rapids after being in California. And I wanted to, um, you know, my friend had been, she had had sons like around my son's age and like um, her and her husband, they invited us for dinner several times. And um, also, you know, out to do things like the park and stuff. And like, we never, ever went. So that relationship was like gone. That was a friend that I had from college 
and um mommy no and we, we say i feel like um my bosses are telling me um my time is <laughs> but yeah um he's like right here you can pee <laughs> you give me like ten more minutes mommy and then we're gonna go to the store we'll get you i have a boy and a dog i don't know what happened i'm gonna pause for a second but i don't know what happened but he now has a ripped hole in his pajamas. I don't know. That's not how it was when we started talking. Um, now he has a rip in his leg of his pajamas. Um, you can have another candy if you give me 10 more minutes. Go. Thank you. This is a whole new. This is not me. This is my friend Naomi. Say hi, Naomi. Hi, Naomi. Hi. Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have to get out of here by four. Um, yeah. Is there something else that you want to like chat about, touch on before we like wrap up? Yeah. I feel like like lots of parts of that conversation we could make a whole. <laughs> he says goodbye. We could make like a whole other podcast out of like at least four of those topics that we talked about. But there's there so much stuff. Yeah. Is there something else that you want to continue to talk about? before we finish I would say like one thing that we need more of like besides talking about mental health and normalizing you know therapy and and just mental health in general is um we don't need people to shame other people for whether they're staying in a relationship um, and you can clearly see things are wrong or, um, you know, judging people for staying or leaving, like, or shaming them for staying or leaving. Like, I think, you know, it, it's, it's easy to be on the outside and look in. Whereas like when you're in that situation, like, like we talked about, um, before, like you can't see a way out. Yeah. You're cons don't think that they're not looking. Right. Don't think that they're, you know, not trying to figure out. They are. But there is so much more happening right. than you see. You know, behind closed doors, there's so much so many things happening. And um, you know, if you are are friends with someone who, you know, is being isolated and just just hang in there yeah like try try to be there for them as much as you're as you can be you know um because honestly I don't I, I came out of I came out of that relationship I went into that relationship I had a ton of friends I mm am -hmm. um, I came out with my one best friend and my cousin you know they're both like sisters to me that's who I came out with Right. because um you know everyone else had I had been isolated from so yeah and it's definitely kind of one of those things where if you're an outsider looking in you just need to kind of just let them know that you're there when they're ready mm -hmm. patients from from those of us that are on the outside and from the inside it's so yeah of course this is great <laughs> We are doing great with at-home work. Is, I think in a couple of years, um, this will be a new podcast of 
what is the PTSD from um, being at home for so long? (laughs) COVID fallout. (laughs) Yeah, what is the fallout of um, all of this family time? Um, I do definitely appreciate you chatting with me and putting up with, I think, that last little bit of um, my uh, managers telling me my time is up. Um, And I know that this is definitely a, it's, it's a situation where like you're going to be dealing it for a while. And all of, all of the people that are involved in any situation like this is something that is permanent, which means that we have to continue talking about it. We just have to continue talking about it and normalizing it and listening. I think from the other end, Um, nobody is asking for an answer. I feel like all of us are just looking for someone to hear us out and then um, then we can, you know, wipe our face up and keep moving. That is great. Wipe our face and keep moving. Yeah. What was that? Is that? That's a book, right? Wipe your tears. I forget. What oh, that. girl, wash your face. Girl, wash your face, right? I haven't read it. I have. <laughs> I like the quote, like, wash your face. But you know what? Before that, make sure that we are um, letting it out and experiencing the emotions Um, I don't know if this was part of your relationship, but a lot um, of my relationship was feeling that I had to control my emotions. Oh, yeah. So my feeling, my my part, my path is a lot of like, hey, like, do you have an emotion? What is it? Are you going to let it out? Um, And I'm like, really? That's, you know, I'm still kind of like, that's not really, I shouldn't have an emotion there. But in reality, you should. You need to have mm-hmm. an emotion consistently. Um, so keep, have all the emotions, have them out. And then, you know, wipe your face and get back, you know. I, I really, I really don't know what else to. Uh, I don't really don't know what else to uh, do. They're, they're, I think they're just uh, out there. Uh, out silence like my silence time is up there's no more there's no time's more. Up. yeah time's up I can't do any of that um no worries but we'll talk later I think definitely we can um hang out I'll try to edit this as best as I can with that screen <laughs> um but it was great to chat and we need to definitely get together again and maybe do more chatting because like we have such parallel weirdly parallel paths on there I know (laughs) it's it's a mess for me not but it's it's a whole ass mess too many (laughs) without any I think he was praying to be a horse without any horse (laughs) thank you thank you so much